0: Building Men is brought to you by Finish the Race Apparel, FTRapparel.com, the creators of all things Building Men and by Become Stronger Industries, become-stronger.com, the creators of handmade steel maces, hammers, and other badass equipment.
1: Everything I've learned in terms of helping boys become men uh, can be boiled down to pick something to become become it, and then defend it. Defend that territory.
0: You're listening to the Building Men Podcast with Dennis and Anthony Miralda, brothers on a mission to help you become the strongest version of yourself, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Finally, we are introducing the foundation a powerful online virtual community for young men in middle school and in high school who want to become the strongest versions of themselves mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Young men who see themselves as leaders in their family, in their community, in their school, and in the world. For young men who know that they are destined for greatness. What young men will experience in the foundation, powerful virtual community is the foundational building blocks of masculinity, improved self-confidence, expert mentorship and coaching, improved relationships, understanding and dealing with stress, deeper self-awareness, improved communication skills, improved healthy habits, some mindset work, improved clarity on career and purpose, physical fitness and nutrition guidance, and connection to a strong community. The group will meet starting on Sunday, March 5th, 2023, and will run every two weeks. But feel free to join at any time. There'll be high-end guest speakers, group discussions, questions and answers, and one-on-one accountability check-ins. The cost of the program is $47 per month. There's risk-free money-back guarantee if you're not satisfied after the first month. If you have any questions, feel free to shoot me an email. BuildingMenCoach at gmail.com. Go one step further than you thought you could go. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Building Men podcast. As always. I am your host, Dennis Moralda. I am joined today by a man. He's the founder and CEO of Brother Gregory and an addiction counselor with more than 15 years of experience leading emerging men on the transformational journey from boyhood to manhood. So just from that brief snippet there. You know that this is going to be an unbelievable conversation. He holds a master's degree in psychology from the New School for Social Research. He's a licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselor and is a nationally certified recovery coach. He's also the author and the creator of the primal method book, Path for Emerging Men. His name is Gregory Kufakos. What is up, Gregory? Good to see you, my man.
1: What's up, man? Good morning.
0: That was a, I I got it. I got to give myself a pat on the back. There was a lot there. And I feel like I nailed the intro. You nailed Uh, nailed (laughs) it.
1: And you know, it's interesting as you were, as you were introducing, you know, those aspects of my uh, life, what I started to think about is this idea and this applies to everybody, but you know, those are titles and those are accomplishments. But what really struck me is like the process of of becoming those things, you know, and especially with, let's say an addiction counselor, you know, I, I took a master's in psychology. I became an addiction counselor in 2006 or 2007, but I I don't think I became an addiction counselor until, you know, for another five. Right. And so it, it just really, your beautiful introduction helped me reflect on, you know, the process that goes into that, both before and after.
0: I love that. One of the kids that I'm coaching right now, we're having a discussion, a deep discussion around being process oriented. Mm -hmm. He has, he's a 17 year old, he's about to be 17 years old, and he has this unbelievable vision of what he wants to accomplish in his life, but he's always trying to take the path of least resistance, the quickest way through everything, the get rich quick scheme idea. And I said, what you need to be is more process oriented because mm-hmm. it's the process. It's the daily things that you're doing that create what happens on the other end. And mm-hmm. I understand what you're saying when you hear all the, the letters behind your name, it, it helps you reflect on the journey, but it, the journey itself is what makes you who you are and, and what you're doing. So you might've exactly. learned about it clinically in school, but actually rolling up your sleeves and working with someone that's going through it, that's where the learning happens.
1: That's right and everything I've learned in terms of helping boys become men uh, can be boiled down to pick something to become become it and then defend it defend that territory you know like you talked about this guy that you're working with who the path of least resistance yeah. right let's get there quick but we know as men that once you get there you have to you have to protect defend enhance whatever area or whatever you've just become you know what I mean so it, it's a it's something that again we're we're trying to teach young men about the process of life and so the key is choose something that you want to become work towards it and then defend it don't get locked into this Goldilocks syndrome what I call Goldilocks syndrome like oh, this is too hot. This is too cold. And then you're kind of bouncing around everywhere. Then you will become nothing. You'll become nothing. So,
0: And I also think it's the young men in society today, their brains have been conditioned to look for the next thing in the quickest way possible as well. It's this instant gratification culture that the kids, unfortunately, are living right now in where it is. It's what's the next thing? I need, this needs to be better. This needs to be better. This needs to be better. better. They're unable to sit in a space. I just did a post recently about it's so important to be able to sit in silence. It's so hard to do, but it's so important to be able to sit in silence, even for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I talked to my kids on New Year's Eve. Well, it was actually into New Year's day. We had our dinner at like midnight on New Year's Eve. And we talked about phone addictions. And we talked about how they are connected to their phones in such a way that it's rewired or reprogrammed their brains. And I said, even just separating yourself from your phone for 10 minutes, like, how does that make you feel? And they're all like, it would bring them a level of anxiety if they were separated mm-hmm. from it for a period of time. And so in that respect, I'd love to know, well, one, talk to me a little bit about your experience working with men and their phones. I mean, let's, let's start there. How to like, mm-hmm. how have you seen it uh, perpetuate itself in what you're doing right now?
1: Yeah. I mean, the phones and let's be, let's be uh, transparent. The phones for all of us are a big challenge, right? It's, it's, you're sitting there with this, you know, this world at your fingertips and it's just by design sucking you into that world. Right. And all of the work that I do with young men, is you need to make progress in the real world. That is the most important thing. And I give them a metaphor, a couple different metaphors, but one is just look at your life like it's a blank, you know, canvas. That's your life. You need to start painting that, those images, what you want in the real world relationships accomplishments experiences all of that is your responsibility and your privilege that's the beauty of life is to be able to paint that picture and at some point if you paint long enough the promise is the same thing that happened to pinocchio it will become real you will you will be in your investment and your engagement in life will somehow spark some magic and your life will become real, right? So the phones are not going to, they're not going to do anything for you. So that's my, I don't get too much into, you know, uh, what's going on with the phone. Although And then I'll just say one thing quickly, what really is going on with the phones, and I just learned this yesterday, it's the blue light that's being emitted from the phone. And there's actually a way, and I'll I'll text this to you so you can provide it to your listeners, there's a way to change your phone so that it can do um, the red instead of the blue. Have you heard about this? Yeah,
0: I, I do. I, my brother set it up for me where Ooh. if you click three times on the side, it can go exactly. back and forth, toggle back and forth. Exactly. That would be helpful to know. He just grabbed my phone and he did it for me. So I set it like that at nighttime. So that's, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I don't have the blue light at night or in the morning when I wake up and I try my best not to look at my phone for the first half hour to the hour when yeah. I start my day. But the red light is a big deal. It's a big difference. So what, it it, is. what is it developmentally? What is it about the red light that helps us so much?
1: Well, it's the fact that the blue light is the dopamine hit. And I'm not an expert in this, I'm just, you know, learning right. as I go, but the blue light from the phone is a dopamine hit. So when you're looking at it, it's soothing your brain. So that's why we want to look into it. But the red light, while not bad for our eyes, is not soothing at all, so you're not going to want to look at your phone. You're going to get on there And you'll look for what you need to, maybe an email, maybe this, send a text, but you are, there is nothing pleasing about it, you know? So, but the bottom line for young men is, you know, where do you think your life in your phone is going to lead you? Where, where, what's the promised land? Because if there is one, I'm not aware of it. Right. Right. Now it's a, it is a necessary part of life. You use your phone, so do I. We both use social media. I'm thankful for it, that it it can provide, you know, something. Uh, but if you get sucked into it, uh, I cannot help you build a life. Right. We cannot build men.
0: Amen. And the phone and social media... If it weren't for that, this conversation would not be occurring right now we connected in six degrees of separation through something mm-hmm. that was going on in social media. But that is not how we're communicating. Right. If if you live down the street, we would, you know, hang out and sit down and talk face to face about something like mm-hmm. this as well. The other thing I find is interesting. Um, and you mentioned something, Gregory, that made me think about this 25, 30 years ago. When we're when we're thinking about what we want to become and who we want to be, we might have we might pick up a book, we might watch something on TV really quickly, we might grab a a magazine So say there's a kid who's really interested in being a football player, he might grab a sports illustrated or sporting news magazine, there might be some publication he could read about training in some capacity, he picks it up, he looks at it, he gets some ideas, perhaps he jots them down goes out and does whatever he trains and he's thinking about what he can do to get better with kids today. If they want to become something and we mentioned identity already, like what, mm-hmm. what the kids want to be, pick something and defend it. What they're seeing right now though, is they follow these people on social media, on Instagram, on TikTok, on whatever. And they're constantly seeing updates on things that are perfect mm-hmm. in what they believe. So they're always suffering in this comparative Type way to people that are doing things really, really well. And I know it hits me as well. Like you follow someone on Instagram, you follow a Joe Rogan and you see he's got 12 million followers on his podcast. And you're thinking, what do I need to do to get to that point? If I just started a podcast and was out there and there was no other people that were that I'm seeing on a regular basis, I would be very content in what I'm doing, but it's that comparison syndrome that happens. So where does that begin? Is that something that happens developmentally with kids? Or is this something that happens with all people Mm -hmm. uh, because of what's going on with social media?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I'll, I'll answer that in terms of what I found that works with young men. Okay. And what I found works with young men. And it's, it was the key ingredient to transforming boys into men is this thing that's called the mirror effect it is incredibly powerful it catalyzes a young man to witness another man that is further along the path of masculine development than him and to literally his brain is soaking in how does this man eat how does this man walk how does this man talk how does this man live right? And his own brain starts to get triggered and activated and inspired. So there is an, inc- an incredibly healthy aspect to, to being around another man and letting that inspire you, right? Where it goes wrong is when you start to live exclusively in that man's life. Like, you know, you're just looking at everything that they're doing and you're not like you said you're not the the inspiration has not been translated into action right
0: interesting and um it's one of those things where i i truly believe that young men need those experiences with older men in a tribal sense where they need to see them doing things emulate what they're doing and then get feedback on things that are going well and things that they need to get better at and being able to i love the mirror effect i mean one of my favorite poems ever i've recited on the podcast several times it's the man in the glass hmm. and it's it's absolutely one of my favorite And the last line of the man in the glass goes if or you may you may fool the whole world down the pathway of years and get pats on the back as you pass but your final reward will be heartache and tears if you've cheated the man in the glass and this hmm. idea of holding a mirror up to yourself i did a post recently about do you want to see the person that's responsible for all of the troubles you're having in your life go take a look in the mirror Mm-hmm. Cause that's who it is. Instead of playing the victim, like go, go take a look at yourself in that capacity. So mm-hmm. now I'd love to take a, take a ride in the DeLorean back to your upbringing. So we'll get, you know, the back to the future idea, bring us through your upbringing and what, when did you get interested in the idea of, of helping men and mental health and, and everything you're doing in a more clinical sense?
1: Mm. Well, I mean, it started with my own journey and I, um, for for me i when I was in my teens, when I was growing up, I actively sought out these men that I could mirror, and I was very selective in it. when I was growing up, these men were available. they were available, your neighbor, your the guy in the gym, yep. you know it, so this this concept was already brewing inside of me. Um, but I, I went through my own, my own process of being completely lost, uh, you know, being surrounded by darkness, despair, not knowing how I was going to create a life, you know, how was I going to succeed at life? And I, you know, found some things that worked for me. And when I was ready to start a career, Psychology seemed like there was nothing, no true, huge epiphany. Psychology seemed like something that I would be good at, that I would love. And like I said at the beginning, I made a choice to go there and I pursued it and I have been defending it yes. ever since. You love know, that. For, yeah.
0: In, in education right now, I'm very critical of the way the current model for education works in a public setting. Mm. Um, I don't think I don't think we're doing a good job preparing young men and women for the real world based on what's going on in school. School is really a game and school and education are not synonymous. I don't think that they're parallels. Mm. I feel like school is it's something when you know how to do it well, you can play the game to be able to get the good grades mm. by following along in line, by sitting up straight, by raising your hand when you need to raise your hand. And a lot of those things don't translate well into being successful In the real world. So I do believe that we need to turn education on its head a little bit to help young men and women, especially young men, because I feel as though schools are not set up to help young men find success. In your experience, what would you change about schools to help men in particular take some of the men that you're dealing with in their 20s and 30s who are going through something challenging? What could they have gotten in school that could have helped them uh, on their journey into into their masculine best self?
1: Hmm. Well, I mean, what I, I can only relate that to what I found works with young men. Okay. And that is a personal mentorship model. So the thing that people miss in the factory settings of education is they miss the deep interpersonal connection with with a mentor. And I have no idea how that could be accomplished. Um, Although apparently we have tons of money that can be printed and spent for anything. If there was something that I would be able to do to advocate for, it would be for the need for a personal mentorship, personal apprenticeship model. And it doesn't necessarily need to be as labor intensive and as dire as the type of mentoring that I do, where I'm literally rescuing men out of an abyss. But it's, it's, I think what you found worked as a principle, you know, make space to tune into and connect to people as individuals, right? This is what's missing when it's a huge factory.
0: And I 100% agree with that. One thing that I know about kids is children need to be, they need to be known They need to know that you know something about them. When I work with educators right now, I have them do this activity. And I say, think about the kids that you had in your class last year, like 25 kids you had in your class last year. First, write them down. See if you could remember every kid that you had in your class. Write down all 25 kids' names. Then write down something that you know about this kid. Something not just physically about them, but something deeper that you know about that kid. And then the big clincher is... Do they know that you know that about them? And what's your evidence to support that? Because if you don't, if they don't know that you know that they're a Vikings fan, say, mm-hmm. have you had a conversation with them? Is there something deeper that you know? So it doesn't have to be for educators, for parents, for anyone out there that's working with kids. You don't have to spend 45 minutes every single day. It could be a a very quick conversation, but they need to know that you know them and you care about them, that you're doing that work and that you remember what they told you. And you might have a conversation in the future about something like that. It's a very, very simple thing. It doesn't take a ton of investment Mm -hmm. on the adult's part, but it makes such a huge difference. A lot of the kids that I work with, by the time I get to them in high school, they're like, I wish I had someone like you when I was in sixth grade and seventh Mm -hmm. grade that was just... Mm -hmm. They wanted, you wanted to know something deeper about them. So you work with the guys, like it's, it's those guys that, that they didn't have someone like you when they were in their teens. And now like they've fallen off the cliff in some capacity. So to start with, I'll ask you a series of questions around this that I'm, I'm working through in my head right now. Can I jump in? Yeah, definitely.
1: Before you say that, another question that you can ask these educators, which is extremely powerful is close your eyes think of the child in question and come up with a snapshot a picture of that young person in their essence maybe it was you know i was trying to do it with you as you were talking right like and i don't know for some reason i was thinking of the justin tuck jersey or the you know the under Armor logo, like you know, something that shows Dennis in his essence. Like huh. it can be a smile, it can be, you know, it it, it often is something that it is very easily overlooked. Like Dennis walked in the room with his head held high. Like, ooh. But it's a real, it's a real thing that you've observed. See, because that forces or invites us to reflect and to really observe these people at a deep level, right? Because then you're looking for it.
0: Yeah. I love that you brought up that idea and it's attaching the emotion into what's going on in the teacher's head as well. And I would take it even a step further and say in your memory, pull out a time when one, you saw that that kid smiling or laughing, like, can you pull that out? And then yeah. two, when you saw them pondering, being inquisitive, because if you can't do that, then you're missing the mark as an educator. If yeah. you can't pull out a time that you had an interaction with that kid and they're laughing or smiling, Based on a conversation you're having, or something that you're doing as a teacher, or that you've pushed them to the point where they are really thinking deeply about something, mm. go back and look at what you're doing as the educator because something needs to be adjusted if that's the case. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a really powerful thing. I love that you brought that up. I'm going to add that into my repertoire mm-hmm. with the addition of the emotion piece as well. Nice. All right. So what I started to to get down was this idea of with with kids that are in this this spot where they're they are going from the that teenage spot into the you know twenties and thirties time frame what mm-hmm. is what is something that they they've missed that you're seeing like what is what is something that if they had this thing when they were growing up it would have helped them to where they they don't need so much intervention when they're in their twenties or thirties It's
1: a great question well you know i I have to go back to kind of the method that i walk them through right because you have to understand when i when i approached these young men and i think you can relate based on the group that you started when you were in school yep i i didn't have any idea right i just knew something was going wrong and rather than figure out like how did they get into that hole it was just how do we bring them out of that hole right But now that I've done that, I can see and I can extrapolate that since this is how I'm bringing them out of the hole, this must have been what they were missing, right? But having said that, sometimes the hole might be unnecessary, what's called initiation, right? What causes us men to deepen our character deepen our awareness is that life turns up the heat. If the heat doesn't get turned up, if you never entered the hole, what interest would you have to change? Your life is a success, right? But I will say that I feel that the greatest thing that the the men uh, or one of the, the things that we work on is just the roadmap for how to succeed in life. Who are you as a man and how does a man succeed in life? Like, let's just start from there. Right now, normally when I'm meeting these guys in their early twenties, in their mid twenties, in their late twenties, they're ready to listen. See, yes. now, now we're saying like, you're still living with your parents, you still can't hold a job. You still are not happy. So, are you ready to look at your belief system, who you think you are, who you what you think life is, and how does a man achieve life uh, success in life?
0: All right. I so love that.
1: It's just it's it's the blueprint. It's the roadmap. That's the the those are now they're missing a lot of other things. But if you don't have that blueprint, that roadmap, you know. I mean, come on, you can't get anywhere without a map.
0: Absolutely. And it's. I remember when I started building men, a lot of it was ready, fire, aim. I recognized that something needed to be done. I didn't know what the hell it was. Right. I figured I would start doing it and then figure it out along the path. And I would analogize it to you're in a boat and you recognize there's a hole in the boat. Mm -hmm. And once you recognize that there's a hole in the boat, you can really think about well, how did this hole get here? I yeah. wonder what I could have done differently. If I were making this ship right now from scratch, what would I do? Yeah. Is there a patch I need? Or you could fucking grab a bucket and start bailing the water out? Cause that's the first thing you need to do is make sure that the boat doesn't sink. So that's how that's how I started building men was in that capacity. Yeah. So you're and, and once young men learn that and once they see that, they need to recognize Whatever happened happened, and I did a post about this recently too. Your your traumas, things that happened to you, they're not your responsibility. They're not they're not your fault. It's Mm -hmm. not your fault that bad things might have happened to you. But once you recognize something bad happened to me, now it's one hundred percent your responsibility to deal with. Because Mm -hmm. if you don't deal with it, it's never going to go away. Building men of character, integrity, strength, compassion, and empathy through coaching. Mentoring, professional development, facilitation, and motivational speaking is our mission here at Building Men. To work with me, information is in the show notes on our website at buildingmen.io, or you can send me an email at buildingmencoachgmail.com. We are here to help you become the strongest version of yourself mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Now, back to the show.
1: And let's take that a step further. Not only is it your responsibility, it is your privilege. Those things that are being labeled as bad and being labeled as traumas sometimes are horrific. I work with guys who have had the most horrible upbringings that you could imagine. But what they do is they transmute those those negative stories into, into a triumph into a hero's story. So a lot of it is how we frame what what has happened to us. So yeah, it is our responsibility. And those things happen for a reason. You see, the biggest bankruptcy facing our country right now, if not the world is the absence of a spiritual lens. We don't understand we this all has a spiritual purpose to it. So everything that has happened to you actually happened for a reason. And the people that move through it, they're able to see that. Like wow, if this and that and this didn't happen, I never would have been inspired to do this this this. So I guess those things were there for right. a reason. So instead, the message that are is being really subtly manipulated into young men is this bad stuff happened to you. That was wrong. Okay. And there's nothing you can do about it. But actually, we find you can, you must, you will, it's all there for you. So who are you going to listen to? You're going to listen to these people telling you that you're a broken mess, and that you're, you're screwed. Or are you going to listen to a tribe of warriors who have overcome this stuff, right? And we're telling you exactly how to do it.
0: right? And it moves them from the victim mentality where it's not your fault, it's your responsibility, but then take it to the next step. Like you mentioned, now it's your privilege. Now they're the hero, they're the architect of what's going on in their life. And And it empowers young men to feel one, that they're in the driver's seat, but then two, based on them being in the driver's seat they can bring other people along on this journey and perhaps impact the next generation that's coming after them and that's where the real power happens is when you can they can take that and they could teach it to other people so when you exactly. when you talk about the young men that you're dealing with what are certain things that you see as they're consistent with the the people that you're dealing with? Is it that victim mindset? Is it addiction? Is it what are the things that you're seeing that are you're you're like, I've I've seen this script before? This is something consistent with with kids that I'm dealing with or young men I'm dealing with.
1: Hmm. So in other words, of of the men that I've helped or that I work with, what are the themes, the common themes that I notice, like victim mentality? Yes. Uh hmm. I would say that the thing that comes to mind right now is they have never learned the process and the the difficulty of making their dream a reality. And they've been sold the same thing that the 17-year-old that you spoke of Mm -hmm. at the beginning is sold, that your dream can become a reality without any cuts and bruises. It can happen on your own terms. Um, So the biggest thing that they struggle with is that they feel that happiness can be bought easily, whether it's through a drug or through some scheme of selling something on Amazon or eBay or through porn or through. They've just been sold that their pleasure can be bought at a cheap price. And so, therefore, when they encounter the rigors of life that you and I know so well, they fold. They fold and unfortunately the more you fold the stronger the oppression of the universe becomes so they don't understand that how much goes into building their dream life right.
0: i love that and then once they fold in it then they become someone who folds Exactly. That's the narrative that they're telling themselves. That's the identity that they're believing in. And I would agree something that I see as well is once a young man can get to this idea of the importance of delayed gratification, mm-hmm. if they can truly understand that idea, if you can if you can punt on the on the pleasure and go through the suffering, it's a that's a good thing. And you're, you're teaching yeah. yourself that you are the type of person that could do something like that.
1: Let's let's go with that. Right. It's four downs, baby. It's four downs. Don't punt on first down. <laughs>
0: right. Don't something punt. that the Giants did last year with Joe Judge. I need to put right? that in there real quick. Yeah,
1: the Giants are, and and aren't they doing very well this year?
0: They just made the playoffs for the first time okay. since 2016. It, it's mm-hmm. a fun team to watch as well. But it comes the leader of that team it, mm-hmm. as a segue. The leader of that team, he went for it on fourth and goal like he he he's the guy that does something like that because he believes in the players and he recognizes that mm. is that when the they coach it's the coach brian dables is it like he's okay. he's stepped in and he has transformed the culture in the locker room oh that of being a victim to like why not us and they have one of the least talented rosters in the nfl but they have part in right. that team
1: that's exactly it and and so there you go like talent talent is in abundance i've never ever found that talent or lack of talent translates to success in that real world right it just doesn't so skill acquisition is important but more importantly is what you're talking about the culture shift right the why not me but it it is there a lot of young men are punting on on second down you know on third down they don't understand that there is a process now but you need to get the support. You need to yeah. learn how to get the first downs. Yeah. So there's the other thing. Of course, they're punting. Of course, we're punting. The When I was punting, I was a serial punter. Okay. I made. I was in the hall of fame of punting. I I punted everything, man. I, I met any resistance in my life. And I could almost, if I look back on my life, I can almost just say, here comes Dennis. Here he goes. He's going to punt. Watch. He's going to punt. There he punted yeah right and punting what are we talking about dropping out of school quitting your job quitting your career quitting quitting right so but i needed i needed something and so i found that something and this is what we're teaching young men is that thing that can help them get first downs right so first downs are very important you know, we've heard it in many circles, in our men's circles, uh, what they call stacking wins. Mm-hmm. You need to win in the world. You need to. Men must win in the world. You have to. Getting a job, keeping that job for a year, performing at that job the best of your ability. This is how we stack those wins, and that feeds, that feeds the identity the the, the self worth the sense that you can do this you got to win
0: and it goes from that woe is me mentality to the why not me to the why not me with intentional effort yes. and if you're the type of guy okay I'm I'm not punting on second down and every once in a while when it's second and one you throw you throw a bomb you throw one deep right. and maybe and maybe you don't connect in the end zone there but you gave it a shot and you're like, okay, I know that I at least have the balls to step up and do something like that when perhaps the odds are stacked in my favor. I love the football analogy. So I, I'd like to turn it into a quick discussion about the book, The Primal Method. First, where did you come up with the idea? Like, what is the primal method in your mind? How would you describe that to us?
1: Yeah, so how it, how it started was through a lot of failure. So I have to start by saying that, you know, as an addiction counselor, I worked in all the different what are called modalities of addiction treatment, where you go after school or after work, you know, three times a week to going somewhere for a month, going somewhere for three months. We're talking about rehabs, going somewhere for a year living. I worked at all these levels of treatment. Okay. And I saw some amazing turnaround stories, but when I opened up my own office and as a young man, naturally younger men were coming to me. What I found was something profound, which is all of those success stories in these structured settings fell to pieces when they were in the real world. Okay. So now I'm meeting with these guys once a week, twice a week for an hour, like conventional therapy. Right. And I'm seeing that, that I can't get through to them. Right. We can't, we can't win. Right. Right. So in a mix of that profound frustration and disillusionment and disappointment, I made a very, very simple decision, which is let's not meet in my office. Okay. It was just simply just a hail Mary, like, but, but it came from the heart. Like, let's not meet in my office. Let's go out and do something. That domino, when dropped, over the course of four years, banged out a very clear pattern of how to reach a young male's mind and spirit. And so what the primal method is, is essentially a way at reaching the deeper part of a man to activate his will to live, his will to succeed in the world. And there's all these different principles. And as you saw, I explain those principles or try to explain those principles in story form. So you can see how I learned how to transform a young man.
0: I love that. And we, we talked briefly about the importance of Young men hearing the stories, being able to connect with them, but you make it very digestible in the book. It's There's a lot of great information, but it's approachable because it's done through stories. I think of the the movie Goodwill Hunting with Robin Williams, Matt Damon, right. um, Robin Williams' character, Sean McGuire, Dr. Sean McGuire. Mm. And it was a last-ditch effort as far as helping... Uh, will hunting with his, everything that he, all the trauma that he'd experienced in his past. Right. And they first, they sat in Robin Williams office for one hour and mm-hmm. it was just a test of, of fortitude for that one hour. And will did not say one thing for the entire hour, Right. but it wasn't until they got out of the office mm-hmm. where they went for a stroll around the lake as he started to break free with him. One thing that I'll tell parents too, when they're working with a teenage boy, mm-hmm especially moms that are working with a teenage boy, when at all possible, take the conversation from a face-to-face conversation to a shoulder-to-shoulder conversation. That's right. As you're driving in the car, as you're walking, it's less confrontational for the kid to feel like they're letting you down. They're more likely to open up about things if they're shoulder-to-shoulder with you.
1: Right. What you just said is the, one of the pillars of the primal method. Instead of facing each other, you face the world. See, because the issue with young men is that life is defeating them, okay? Now, whether they want to agree with that or not, at some point, they will see that. It's life that is defeating them, right? So rather than talking to them like this, face to face, let's face the world together. Let's enter the world together. Let's win at life together. And then something magical happens. They, 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 and you as the mentor start to see, okay, this is how this individual needs to build their life. This is what's keeping them stuck. And you can talk about what's interrupting their process of building a life right now. So let me stop there. So that face the world is the the alongside technique is exactly what you're describing.
0: Yeah, it's it's been um, a revolutionary realization on my part with my own kids. Mm. It was during drives. We would have conversations during drives mm-hmm. with them sitting in the front seat. And a lot of it was also listening to music. And we would take a song yes. and break down the lyrics of the song and what it meant to us. Mm-hmm. And just that little bit of... Uh, gateway into their their psyche and their soul by having those conversations shoulder to shoulder. It mm-hmm. opened up so many different things where they, they felt very safe in those conversations during challenging times in their life. So it's I I, I stumbled upon it. It wasn't research that I had done. It was mm-hmm. I I learned that by doing it, like you mentioned in the very beginning. You know, you might but have and, read all the books and things.
1: And isn't that interesting, right? Because do, and doesn't that make sense? See, like look at learning. Learning. A bird learning to fly, right? A fish learning to swim, a lion learning to hunt. Most of that is very instinctive. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that you in your arena and me in my arena are finding the exact same things.
0: And you have to do it. You actually have to go through the process. The bird can hear as many times as he wants from the dad, the mom bird. This is how you do it. He's got to sack up and get out of the nest.
1: That's right. That's the difference between in the book, you know, I call it the difference between rational motivation and primal understanding. How many times, right? If your audience is parents, or let's say there are young men listening to this, how many times have you had the talk? How many times the lecture? You just just feel those feelings coming yeah. up, right? Like the lecture. It has never accomplished anything. So it, we're not looking for some rational understanding. Most men know, again, by the time they're in their 20s, they know that there's a problem. Now, when they're 16, they might still believe, oh, it's not a problem. When they're 18, they may still, but when you're 21, 22, and you still haven't made any progress in your life, you're still at home, you're still completely dependent on your parents. Now you're ready to talk and listen and really look at this because it's not going to go away. Guess what, guys? There are 30 year olds and parents, there are 30 year olds still living on their parents' couch. I can go one further there's 40 year olds still living on their couch so you're holding out for that day where they're going to pick up their sword and shield and head out back into life and get off your couch ain't going to happen you got to figure out exactly the method for doing that because it's there's not some miracle that's just going to put them out there like that
0: love it i love the shoulder to shoulder idea i love the journey you just took us down if there was one other quick snippet, I don't want to give away the all the, the gold from the book for free, but if there's one other quick piece of advice you can give the audience, something from the book that we can extrapolate that could help a parent that's dealing with something or a kid or a young man in, in his mid-20s that's dealing with something, what's another quick lesson?
1: Connect at a profound level. So when you shift from the alongside technique, which is facing the world, when you do face them, connect at a profound level level connect at the level of inner depth you know like basically making connection an art form look at look at that right the the future i said this when i was writing the primal method the future of psychotherapy will be the art of connection the art of connection to really really know how to connect to another human being and that's what fascinates me about your work is your ability dennis to connect to these young people you know that's the art of connection so that would be the other major thing that i would suggest
0: love that goldilocks syndrome and the art of connection i think that that could be part of our uh, part of our title i um I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. One other quick, quick question I have yeah. just for me as advice, for advice mm-hmm. as a dad, how much of your own, your own story, your own past do you share with your kids, things that you have gone through that you've learned lessons the tough way? So for example, mm-hmm. you know, it say I had a, you know, horrible experience uh with alcohol like terrible experience with alcohol and i got banged up and i got into a fight and i got locked up Mm -hmm. or i tried using drugs and it went down a path or whatever it is like insert Mm -hmm. heart horrific thing from your past how much of that do you share with your kids Mm -hmm. do you just say hey i've had some tough experiences there or do you do you get down into it and say okay pull up a chair kiddo i got some stories to tell you here
1: yeah that's a that's an interesting one that i ponder myself as a parent what i can tell you is as the mentor as the mentor like in my role if i'm working with your son i have to be completely transparent about all my challenges past and present i have to be willing to show them that life is still a game that that gets the best of me i still get sacked on first down and lose mm-hmm. 20 yards i still want to punt and actually you know what yesterday i did punt you know but we're all on this same journey together so as the mentor it's profound it's important as a parent i would say it's important not to hide okay but i equally don't think it's important to go out and you know sit them down and and share all of your you know your your worst stories that's just my personal opinion because yeah. i'm not sure that that's the role of a parent you see and i think this probably deserves another conversation at some point because it's such a delicate balance you don't want to be that parent that's like oh you know i i hide everything i hide all my challenges yep. but you also don't want to sit your kid down and and instead of being a you know whatever the role is as parent that you're just becoming you know can your can your child handle your full story are they going to metabolize that in a healthy way, so I think those are questions that I would I would ask myself as I'm thinking about telling my uh, my child uh, about my life.
0: Right, and it's it's also that slippery slope of telling the story without romanticizing the right. struggles that you've gone through. Like, well, when I was your age, we used to get banged up and then go to school the next your kid doesn't need to hear that, right? So nice. it's the intentionality behind what you're trying to communicate. And I'm a big believer in when kids are asking the questions, they're ready for the answers. I've, I've lived by that my entire life. I like the that. way that you frame your answer to that question needs to be developmentally appropriate for the kid. But I do feel that they're ready for the answers if they're asking the question. So before um, I ask my last question, we gotta you got to let us know where we can find you. How do we connect with you, buy your book, all that stuff.
1: Sure. So my website is brothergregory.com. Uh, the book, The Primal Method is available on Amazon. And also my Instagram account is Ask Brother Gregory. So those are the three ways to find and connect with me and my
0: work. Perfect. And if, uh, if you're listening, the first person listening that sends sends me, let's let's think about a, what what they can send. What's a title of the subject that they can send? If they send it to me, the first person will get a copy of your book on me. So let's come up with something. Should it be mirror effect, art of connection, punting on first down, don't punt on first down? What would you What would you say?
1: Mm, mm,
0: touchdown. Touchdown. All right, perfect. So the first person that sends me an email, buildingmencoach at gmail.com with the subject on touchdown, I will send you a copy of The Primal Method, a book for emerging men. Final question, Gregory, is someone listening to this podcast right now, they hit pause, they hit stop. There's one thing that they can do right now. By doing this one thing, they can absolutely change the trajectory of their life. What's that one thing?
1: Truth. Giving me an easy one right at the end. One thing that they can do to change their life. Hmm. I'm curious. What are some answers that? Oh
0: wow, I've I've heard 175 different answers in that. Is, um, is that. Some people are like, you know, be brutally honest with yourself. Some people are like, get outside in the sunlight every single day. Some people are like. Get down and do push-ups. Some people are like, make sure that you're breathing through your nose. Make sure that other people like get a mentor. Find it's it goes all over the place. That's why I love the question. Is that I've really heard so many answers. And there's if you take every one of these one things that I have learned, it is you're living the, the dream life. You are you are killing it, I'm you're gonna, crushing it.
1: I'm gonna shamelessly <laughs> self promote. I'm gonna say, read my book. Because my book is a, I wrote that for you as a young man. It is my process of going through my own journey as a young man and stories of how I've taken other men through this. So there's not really another book that I'm aware of that really tries to reach young men, 16 to, you know, 30. And I just believe that it, it will provide the catalyst and it'll send you on your journey you know a never-ending journey so i really believe in in you know the process in creating this book so i would say as much as it could be shameless and self-promoting i would say read the primal method
0: love it and uh we'll put all the information in the show notes where you can find gregory where you can find his instagram his website and where you can purchase His book for the Building Men audience. Go one step further than you thought you could go. We'll see you next time on Building Men.